Open the podcast bay door as hell. Welcome to episode 84 of Welcome to Geek Town. I'm your host, Kurt Onstead. I've been a proud geek all my life, being into role-playing games, board games, sci-fi, fantasy, and especially superheroes and comics. And I want to help others join me in those pursuits, but I've found that sometimes people can get overwhelmed or feel left out because they don't already have what some consider the requisite knowledge to be considered a fan. And that's where Welcome to Geek Town comes in. Here, you can ask your questions without feeling like a gatekeeper is calling you out for not yet being fully versed in every aspect of your new interest. It's time for me to shout out my patrons once again. With the WandaVision episodes, I was distracted and forgot to do so in February, but please be assured that all of you have my sincere thanks for both this month and last. We have a new addition to the Patreon Club, Jesse Clark joined up last week, and so thanks goes out to him, as well as my other current patrons, Ricky Garvin, Rob Garrison, Forrest Woodward, Aaron Borst, Carla Hoffman, Lyndon Onstead, Julio Herrera, Matthew Saint, and Utuk Zul. Remember, it's just a dollar per month to join in and get this monthly shout-out, as well as full scripts and audio outtakes, which includes full, unedited audio of all the WandaVision episodes. Now, on to the show. Having returned to my regular bi-weekly schedule, this episode marks as close as we'll get to three years to the date from my very first episode. Each anniversary episode so far has related to my favorite superhero, Speedball, and his team, the New Warriors, and this year is no exception. Two years ago, in episode 27, I went over Speedball's history, powers, and why he is my favorite. Then last year, I talked about the other founding members of the team. In that episode, I noted a new miniseries that was supposed to be released connecting to an event called Outlawed, but was delayed due to the pandemic. Unfortunately, while nothing official has been stated, this story seems to have been left behind and will likely never see print. So, we still only have five different runs that we can cover. I'm still sticking with Volume 1 for now, though. This time, we'll look at the other new warriors who joined during that 75-issue run, but sometime after the first issue. The first new member to join the team was Silhouette, which is both the character's real name and her superhero codename. Created by Fabian Nisiza and Mark Bagley, Sil as she was often called, first showed up in New Warriors number 2, along with her brother, known as Midnight's Fire, who I may go into further detail one day if I discuss New Warrior villains in a future anniversary episode. We find out in flashbacks that the siblings met New Warriors leader Night Thrasher, aka Dwayne Taylor, before he had formed the team, 
and that after a brief misunderstanding, the three worked together to take down drug lords in the city. Silhouette and Night Thrasher became romantically involved during this time, but that ended tragically when a rain of bullets hit Silhouette in the spine during one of their raids that was interrupted by police. Dwayne believed Syl dead until she showed up in the present day of issue 2, wearing a pair of braces slash crutches that allowed her to walk despite her paralysis from the waist down. Silhouette reappeared in issue 7, this time displaying her powers for the first time to both the audience and the team. Silhouette's mutant powers match her name, a frequent occurrence in comics, as she has the power to meld into shadow, to teleport, as well as use her dark force powers for other, mostly defensive, effects. She also is an excellent hand-to-hand fighter, using her upper body strength to propel herself around the battlefield. Dwayne also added a taser and a needle tipped with a heavy barbiturate to her braces, giving her more non-lethal offensive capability. Throughout the New Warriors Volume 1, her romantic relationship with Dwayne has its ups and downs, and her commitment to the team waxed and waned with her commitment to Dwayne. She and Night Thrasher broke it off for good around issue 51, and she hasn't been a regular part of the team since. Silhouette recently showed up in a story arc in Ironheart, so even though the New Warriors aren't currently active, she hasn't been completely forgotten. Next on the list of added team members is Rage. Elvin Halliday was created in 1990 by then-Avengers writer and artist Larry Hama and Paul Ryan, respectively. Elvin was only 13 years old when he got his powers due to exposure to some sort of toxic waste. At first, the unknown chemicals made him sick, but as his grandmother nursed him back to health, he also grew immensely into what appeared to be a super-strong adult body. Using his newfound powers to fight crime, he soon encountered and confronted the Avengers for their lack of diversity, and insisted that he be made a member. Although that original meeting ended poorly, he ended up joining the team as a probationary member not too much later. Originally, the Avengers weren't aware of Elvin's status as a minor, but discovered it soon thereafter and demoted the teenager to Avenger trainee status during a storyline that happened to guest the New Warriors. Rage ended up joining the New Warriors just a few months later, after he was kicked out of the Avengers for helping the New Warriors steal a Quinjet in order to get to Cambodia to fight Tai, Silhouette's grandmother, and another complicated story that belongs in a New Warriors villain episode. Rage quickly became a mainstay of the team, forging a tight friendship with Robbie, aka Speedball, and a father-son-like relationship with Dwayne, especially after the tragic death of his grandmother. When the team ended up splitting up, Rage stuck with his new father figure. He was an important character in Avengers The Initiative during the post-Civil War era of comics, being one of the new warriors that was not present during the inciting incident of Civil War, However, since then, he was mostly relegated to background appearances until his use in Sam Wilson's run as Captain America, where he was sort of a foil to Sam 
advocating for the new Captain America to take a stronger and more public stance against racism. Unfortunately, during this storyline, Rage is arrested and while in jail is beat into a coma by some of the other superpowered inmates. He did recover from this, despite Dr. Claire Temple telling Sam that he would not survive, but in his very next appearance, Elvin is killed during an invasion of Venom symbiotes. That was two years ago. Hopefully he can eventually be resurrected, as he was an interesting character in the right hands and deserved better than what he got post-New Warriors. The next newer New Warrior, at least compared to the original team, is actually two characters. Mike Jeffries and Mickey Musashi take turns in the Turbo costume. I'll give you an in-universe origin for the pair in just a second, but if you want to hear the behind-the-scenes of how the character was created, go back to episode 55, the second part of my interview with Evan Skolnick, who co-created the pair with friends Dwight Coy and James Brock and then wrote their adventures in issues 53 through 75 of New Warriors. Mickey showed up first in New Warriors number 28, accidentally getting involved after approaching a seemingly stranded ship that was actually manned by weapon smugglers doing an offshore deal that the Warriors were investigating. The team later meets Mike in issue number 33, we eventually find out that the two are friends who share the supersuit that allows them to fly and perform other super feats with the powered turbines on their wrists and ankles. The suit previously had been used by a couple of different people, the most recent being a relative of Mike's. The torpedo, as the suit and its wearers were originally called, appeared sporadically in Marvel Comics between 1969 and 1984, mostly in the pages of the licensed comic, Rom. After Torpedo's death, the suit was bequeathed to Mike's father, but not knowing what it was, ended up storing it in his attic. Mike discovered the outfit and let his friend Mickey use it for a costume party the pair were attending, but wearing the suit allowed it to be tracked down by some of the evil scientists who had originally helped create it, and they crashed the party. That's when the powers of the suit activated, and Mickey was able to take down the crew that had come to claim it. Mike wanted nothing more in life than to be a superhero, while Mickey preferred using the costume for overseas shopping trips and other more frivolous uses, though she still got involved when she saw something she thought she could help with. For unknown reasons, Mickey was much better at using the suit, and so she was made a full-time member of the Warriors, while Mike was considered a reserve member. Mike died at the hands of the Dire Wraiths in issue 73, and after that, Mickey intended to use the suit on her own to honor Mike's dream of being a hero. Turbo was a regular member of the New Warriors in the 10-issue volume 2 of the title, but after that, gave up the superhero life for the most part, even forming a sort of support group for former teen heroes that wanted to hang up the cape and cowl. Our next member has no powers, and was almost never in the field, so to speak, but was still vital to the team in a number of ways. Created by Fabian Nassiza and Derek Robertson, Carlton Lafroige was Robbie Baldwin's neighbor when Robbie went to live with his mom after the divorce. 
During a citywide attack of the Dark Force dimension, Carlton discovers that Robbie is Speedball and ends up blackmailing the hero to be allowed on the team. Robbie wants to refuse him, despite the danger to his secret identity, but Carlton proved himself useful by bringing news of the new warrior's capture to Night Thrasher, who at the time was not part of the team. He once again proved himself useful when the team went missing in time due to the machinations of their old enemy, the Sphinx. Hindsight Lad, as he called himself, called together a group of allies of the New Warriors to create a new team that searched out the Sphinx in order to bring the originals back. I'm not going to count any of those as New Warrior teammates, except for the one that stuck around afterwards, who I'll get to in a minute. After that adventure, he was accepted as the man in the chair for the group, and basically ran things back at headquarters. He also lost the lad in his name and just went by hindsight for the rest of the run. At the end of issue 75, there was a hint towards him working with Mickey as the newest member of the Turbo team, but that never panned out. Hindsight wasn't seen again for a few years, when he showed up in a Civil War tie-in issue as a bitter man trying to distance himself from the new warrior's name so much as to create a website doxing the remaining members of the team. She-Hulk number 8 was the issue where this happened, with Justice and Rage suing for the information on the corporation that was funding the website. Although we don't see the conclusion of the court case, after grilling Iron Man on the stands, he provided She-Hulk with the information, at which point She-Hulk, Rage, Justice, and a few other New Warrior teammates and allies find Carlton and have him arrested. Since then, he's only shown up in one other comic, but it's a parody of a tabloid magazine show, and the continuity is very shaky, so I'm happy to believe he's still behind bars for the betrayal of his former teammates. The next addition to the New Warriors roster was originally a member of another team, which also happened to be his family. Alex Power is the oldest member of Power Pack, created by June Brigman, Louise Simonson, and Bob Wiecek. A quartet of kids who received powers from a dying alien that crash-landed near their home. Alex's powers involve gravity, and he went by the codename of G originally. However, when the original team of warriors was abducted and trapped by the Sphinx in various eras of the past, Hindsight recruited Alex, among others, to assist in rescuing the team. In order to better help the warriors, Alex took the powers from his siblings. Because they got their abilities together from the same source, they're sometimes able to borrow or swap powers with each other, and started calling himself Power Packs, with an X. His adventures with the New Warriors reminded him how dangerous the superhero calling is, and so he decided to keep all the powers to himself, ostensibly to prevent his younger brother and sisters from getting hurt. This caused quite a rift between him and the younger power siblings, and Alex decided to change his codename to Power House to remove the obvious connection to his original team. In addition to his suite of powers over some of the fundamental forces of the universe, 
Alex also provided the team with a mode of transportation, as he was able to call on the sentient spaceship known as Friday. Alex adventured with the team for most of the run between issues 50 and 75, but in that final adventure of Volume 1, Friday was captured and was fired upon by the New Warriors in an attempt to bring down the villain that had commandeered the ship. Alex disagreed with the team's method and went back to his siblings, returning their powers to them and reforming as Power Pack once again. Since then, Alex has been a member of another prominent team in the Marvel Universe as one of the older members of the Future Foundation, the school-slash-exploration team run by the Fantastic Four, in addition to still being seen with his family in a recent Power Pack miniseries tying in to the Outlawed storyline that was supposed to give us the New Warriors miniseries I mentioned up top. The last three members had the shortest tenures with the New Warriors team, but that doesn't mean they're not important. First up is Ben Riley, best known as the Spider-Man clone that went by the name Scarlet Spider during the infamous Clone Saga and briefly took up the Spider-Man mantle when he and Peter were fooled into believing Ben was actually the original. There's a little bit of behind-the-scenes drama to this addition to the team. During this time in Marvel Publishing, the books were grouped into families, with an editor-in-chief overseeing all the titles in one family. The X-Men were one family, the Avengers, or Marvel Heroes, were a family, the dark books like Punisher, Ghost Rider, and Hulk were made the Edge family, and Spider-Man was a family. Now, New Warriors didn't really fit neatly into any of these boxes, as they had mutants on their roster but weren't really a part of the X-Men, some of them had tried out for the Avengers, but at this point hadn't been accepted. The book definitely didn't fit in with the Edge books, and so they were put under the Spider-Man umbrella, and it was decided that Scarlet Spider would join the team. However, shortly thereafter, they decided to make Ben the original and have him become Spider-Man, and wanted to focus on his story in the main Spider-Man titles, and so he left almost as quickly as he joined. I'll go deeper into Ben's in-universe history when I eventually do a Replacements episode on Spider-Man. Long story short, though, since his extraordinarily brief tenure on the team, he has died, come back, become a villain, and is currently on the road to Reformation. The next member, if he can even be called that, as I'll explain, also first showed up during the Clone Saga. Rafael Carago was the lone survivor in the town of Springdale, Pennsylvania, as opposed to Speedball's hometown, Springdale, Connecticut, after a biological weapon was released by the Jackal's minion, Spiderside. The Jackal was the mad scientist that originally cloned Peter Parker, thus causing the clone saga. When Raphael awoke, he did not remember who he was, and tried to escape the CDC agents that were investigating the incident. The Warriors showed up, as well as Scarlet Spider, and together were able to knock the young man into unconsciousness. Raphael was taken into custody, but instead of going to Project Pegasus, as intended, he was captured by a disguised Spider-Side who took him back to the Jackal's lab. After some experimentation by the Jackal, 
Raphael escaped again and went on a rampage through New York, where once again he was found and beaten by the New Warriors and Scarlet Spider. It was at this time that Justice and Firestar asked Ben to join the team. It was discovered that the young man's powers allowed him to hyper-evolve and adjust his body to counter whatever threats are thrown his way. However, this only works if he is being actively attacked, and thus he cannot escape when the warriors place him in a more passive containment unit. Raphael, who cannot remember his own name, gets the name Helix, and through Turbo, the only member of the team who can speak Raphael's native Spanish, is able to communicate with the team and gain their trust. However, before he goes out on any adventures with the team, he decides instead to go on a quest to find out more about himself, and has pretty much never been seen again. While writer Evan Skolnick had intended to make him a more permanent member of the team, when he learned of the book's impending cancellation, he wrote Helix out before he really ever officially joined. Helix's first appearance was in Spider-Man Maximum Clonage Alpha Number 1. Yes, that's the full title. And so his creator credits have been listed as the writer-artist team of that book, which is Tom DeFalco, Todd DeZago, and Ron Lim. However, in episode 55 of Welcome to Geek Town, Evan Skolnick seems to state that he and New Warriors penciler Patrick Zercher came up with the idea and look originally. I've reached out to Evan for further elaboration on that, but as of this recording have not heard back. The last member of the team definitely was created by Evan and Patrick, and is one of my personal favorites, although she also didn't get a lot of panel time. The comic equivalent of on-screen time. Rena Patel was a college student when she learned she had the mutant ability to swap her consciousness with her past self. When we first meet her, she's using this ability to relive moments from her childhood. However, she accidentally jumps forward on her return trip and finds herself in costume at a new Warriors team meeting. She has more future trips that show her the apparent death of Speedball, and sensing the urgency of this, she approaches the team. Only Hindsight believes her story, and he's the one that creates her costume and gives her the codename Time Slip. She also expands her powers as she finds she can move super fast by slowing the flow of time in the surrounding area. With Hindsight's help, she convinces the team of her authenticity and joins. While she's not able to change the future she sees, it turns out the speedball she sees die was not actually Robbie, but a copy of his body created and possessed by a young man from the future named Darian Grobe, who had come back to stop his father, who had become a time-traveling villain named Advent. The real Robbie comes back, and has a flirtatious relationship with Rena that, unlike most of Robbie's attempts, actually seems to get some reciprocation. <laughs> However, in the final story of New Warriors Volume 1, Time Slip loses her powers and leaves the team. The bomb that caused her power loss appears to have been temporary, however, as she's seen in costume in the She-Hulk Civil War issue, mentioned in Hindsight's story, and most recently she's named as one of the team leaders 
mentoring teen heroes in the one issue of the Outlawed miniseries that was released before the pandemic put that on hold. I really hope to see her in action again, as time travel is one of my favorite sci-fi tropes, and she's also one of the very few heroes of South Asian, specifically Indian, descent, and could add more diversity to the Marvel Universe. That covers the added team members in The New Warriors Volume 1. Let me know if there's a specific aspect of the team you want to hear about next year. And in the meantime, if you have any more generic comic book or other geeky questions you think would be good for a future episode, or you have a general comment on the show itself, please chime in by sending me an email at welcome to geektown, all spelled out, at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, welcome to, the number two in this case, geektown.com, and click the submit a question link if you'd prefer to remain anonymous. Other contact options include facebook.com slash welcome to geektown or twitter at geektownpodcast. Also, if you'd like to support the show directly, come join the Patreon at patreon.com slash welcome to geektown to get access to full scripts of the shows, audio outtakes, and a monthly shoutout. You can also help the show grow by subscribing and giving a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts to join the Geek Town City Council, which helps other people find the show, so we can all tell them, Welcome to Geek Town, population, us. Welcome to Geek Town is written, narrated, edited, and produced by me, Kurt Onstead. Theme music is by Aaron Lovitz, logo art by Archie Santana. All other sound clips are the copyrighted material of their respective owners, and no infringement is intended falling under fair use.